0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hello everybody. Welcome to Lion's Watch, your one-stop shop for all things England. I'm Marcus Speller, and I'm Luke Moore. After UEFA's announcement that countries will be able to take a 26-strong squad to the Euros, this week we're asking which fringe players could capitalise. And while Phil Foden continues to sparkle at Manchester City, we look at just how important he could be for England. Plus, we take you back to those halcyon 67 days under Big Sam and the start of a brave new world under Gareth
3: Southgate. That's a lovely touch. Lampard! Brilliant! Brilliant! It was in, no crossed the line! It's not been given! Well, that was the worst performance I have ever seen from an England team. Ever. We were totally hopeless for 90 minutes.
2: It's another wretched night for England at a major tournament. Did you also miss a left-footed player down the left side? Yeah, but where is that player?
3: How are we going to win this tournament as England? And England win on penalties!
2: Well, hello, everybody.
3: Hello, it's only me here. It is. (laughs) But I like to think that there are people listening. (laughs) Yeah, they are, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Luke,
2: um, we put out our 23-man squad for the Euros uh, a number of weeks ago on, on, on Twitter. And we got some backlash, as you'd expect, because it's difficult to keep everybody happy and to to put everybody in. Because 18 of them are right-backs. Yes.
3: And we just think that's a very specialised position. It'll be looked after and respected. We we can
2: fit in three more right-backs now because (laughs) because we have a uh, 26-player squad to go on for for the European Championships. We must remind ourselves that that all the other teams get that as well. What I was about
3: to say, I mean... My, my my roller coaster of emotions when I saw that news did go pretty much as you'd expect. Oh, that's really good! Yeah, great news for us that. Mm. And then um, you think of say France. Yeah. And all the players that don't get anywhere near their team, uh-huh. um, Upper Meccano, for example, three caps. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing,
2: really. <laughs> well, the decision was taken by UEFA's national teams committee to uh, mitigate the impact of, of the condensed season and if any COVID outbreaks occur during the tournament, of course. So, uh, pretty, pretty obvious, I think it's a sensible
3: uh, thing to do given the, not only that, but the, um, the the truncation of the season itself as mm. well. I mean, yeah, I mean, you said the condensed season, the COVID outbreaks. For me, the big, I mean, yeah, the condensing of the season has been a really difficult one for everyone. And um, it, it, given that now in tournaments, it never used to be this. And I'm sure you remember. It used to be a case that you would have your squad that would mm. travel and you'd name your first level. You'd name your three subs. Mm-hmm. And the other players in the squad knew they wouldn't ever be at a feature in that oh, game. Oh, that
2: was a while ago, yeah. It
3: was, but it used to be the case. And mm. now it's obviously you can pick whoever you want from the older squad, can't you? Yeah. Every every game. Mm-hmm. So to have more options is obviously a great thing. Um If you're on you know how they have a standby
2: list normally? If you're yeah. on the standby list and it's a twenty six man squad, you just I'll oh, piss off. Just let me have a holiday. Yeah. I'm either in or I'm
3: out. Trevor Sinclair talked quite eloquently about that. I remember he said that um, he was on the standby list initially mm for, um I think it's Japan, South Korea, 2002. Well, he, well, he went there, didn't he? He did, but he mm. went there with them on standby to do the training camp and everything. I mean, that's ball going all that way. Then he flew home, yeah. and on the way home, he'd ah, come, back, come
2: back again. You're joking. Long way to go. Turn the, turn the play around, pilot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Sorry. commercial jet, so yeah, I don't think <laughs> yeah, exactly. you have misunderstood what's going on. I think he actually
3: on. had to land in Heathrow. I think he said something like he got a load more clothes and... Belongings and let to mm. go back again.
2: I mean, you you would be delighted on one level, but on another level, you you're mentally preparing yourself. Uh, yeah. An extended Probably summer got break. Got plans with your mate. <laughs> <laughs> Although you would shelve them, wouldn't
3: you? Yeah, it's true. You well, would. at least these, at least um, this summer they haven't got too far to travel, have they?
2: So. True enough. Um, in that twenty six player squad, are we going to see an extra goalkeeper?
3: I don't think it's named, <laughs> is it? I don't think it, because didn't do you remember the North Korean team tried yes. to pick a striker? Yep. And they got admonished for it, and it was. I, I don't know if it meant they changed the regulations, but it, I know that for sure. Now you have to have a nominated keeper situation. That's right, and it can't be seen as just a regular player's position.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Phil Jagielka is not getting in, is what? You're
3: Sadly, saying. not. I don't yeah. Think, so
2: no. who who do you think is going to benefit then from this? Because um, we we try to pick our previous squad. Um, which we put out on as I say, a number of weeks ago, on, on who we think, and we left out Grealish because we thought he might be injured. Yeah, but all, let's just talk about all, everyone's fit and not worry at this stage too much sure. about the injuries. Um, so we think, so we think Grealish would would, would would probably be in it. I mean, even if it was twenty three and he was he was fit, we we think he would probably be in it. But but the players who you think may have missed out on a twenty three, but, but but could get in on a twenty six. Mm. Any players leap to mind?
3: Well, I think I think you. Well, it does quite clearly, and obviously it gives you options. I Mm. think it's beneficial for England because for the first time since I've been old enough to remember, I don't think there's been so much debate around the players that we would take just because we've got so many options now. Mm. And so it's come at a good time for England. Now, of course, it's a benefit to every single team that's qualified for all the obvious reasons, but actually it is by definition more beneficial to the bigger nations because the small nations don't have the depth of players. Mm-hmm. So we remember the, the thing with Northern Ireland in Euro twenty sixteen where they were only picking from a you know almost like a comically small um mm-hmm. pool of players anyway. So an extra three for them may not have been as much of a benefit. Mm-hmm. For England here it clearly is a benefit because you've got players that are on the fringes, players like um, who are good players and they're versatile players, some of them like Bakayo Saka, who's you know, at the time of recording has just put another good performance for Arsenal and has played in a variety of positions. Mm-hmm. And he's 19, so he's super energetic and yep. he's quick and all that kind of stuff. You want to make a difference potentially in a tournament. So he could absolutely benefit.
2: Um, and some people may well have him in their 23 anyway. They may do. but, but I think but that would a, be a stretch though.
3: Could be, could be. At this point. Especially and think, with
2: Chilwell and Shaw having... Strong seasons as well down that left side. I know he's a yeah. slightly different he's a different player to them, but you know.
3: But it's but it's it's, it's certainly come at a good time mm. for, for a player like him because it's yeah. a much more interesting conversation for mm. twenty six players than it is for twenty-three, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you've got players like him, you've got James Ward Prowse who's mm-hmm. on the edge who you think will probably go anywhere. Well, he was
2: meant to start against Poland apparently when they yeah. won two one at home. That's according to Calvin Phillips. Yeah. So you would suspect if he was due to start that game mm-hmm. and he played uh, against, um, was Albania? They won 2-0 away. Mm-hmm. He came on in that game. So I, I think that he would be one of those players that some people wouldn't choose for a 23. Other players, well, I'm not sure. 26 could stretch to, to him. Yeah.
3: And then the other, the other uh, for Bring me, him on for free kicks, maybe. Yeah, right. The, the, the other thing for me is, I personally think it's interesting around forward players because mm-hmm. we talked about this, I think, the week before last or maybe even a bit last week. I think it was last week when Harry Kane picked up is it or at the time of recording was still injured. Um the the interesting debate around what you do if you don't have Kane. And we talked about players going going beyond him and how he drops deep and all the rest of it. Southgate may well not just pick Kieran Trippier as another right back get them all in yeah he may decide that he wants to pick a, a slightly different out and out striker to Dominic Calvert-Lewin for example mm. in which case I know Danny Ings has picked up another injury but you've got Ollie Watkins who he's used before mm-hmm. um, and there might be one or two other options I think probably it's going to be difficult for Tammy Abraham now who's played so little football but
2: I mean it'd be mad if if indeed he did go for another third out he likes striker. Abraham and you, you tell he, me he... quite
3: a lot that he likes players, certain players that he can trust he does he
2: does um but having played such little football um, this year, I, I just even for Southgate, even if he he really liked him and he's tried to bring him through and give him opportunities, I, I just I don't think he can pick Tammy Abraham.
3: And I I think that to to move away from the forwards as well for a bit, I think you also need to look at um, the situation at centre back because. You, it's obvious really, despite what we've said about Stones, it's obvious really that he's gonna pick Maguire and Stones to start the game. All things yep. being equal, they're gonna be the same. So they're backs. England's best two centre halves. Quite. But, but over over and above that, mm. if Stones picks up an injury or, or you know, dare I say it, a suspension, right? <laughs> in the first group, go whatever. Yeah. You've got you've got centre backs coming in behind them and mm. and at the moment you're looking at people like Connor Cody, who we've talked about, mm-hmm. Tara Mings who we've talked about, and Michael Keane, who perhaps we haven't talked about as much. The fascinating situation here, and that doesn't necessarily pertain specifically to the 26-man squad, but I do think it's part of the discussion, is that the Aston Villa, mm-hmm. i.e. Tyron Mings, mm-hmm. and Wolves, i.e. Conor Cody, have gone off a cliff. Yeah. They're not playing well, those boys. Some and, people and say Cons
2: has better been playing better than me.
3: And the teams aren't playing well, and nor are necessarily the players within those teams that are relevant to England. At that point, you've really got to start thinking about Michael Keane because mm. he's performing at a higher level, yep. both at club. And individually at the moment, I would You say. know what
2: you're getting with Keane? Yeah. He's played for England a number of times and he's got caps and he's also a threat from set pieces as well, which is not the number one thing. All things Nintendo. being equal, you're
3: only ever going to use two centre backs at a tournament, right?
2: Yeah, three at most. Yeah. Um, so so you think that he will just take four centre halves. He won't use this as a chance to bring in a fit.
3: Well, I don't know what he'll do. I, th- I think well, what we should say is that, you know, obviously we don't know what Gareth Southett's going to do, but what mm-hmm. we have done is we've reacted to the news about 26 players mm-hmm. uh, and we've updated our squad based on. Uh, improvements, mm-hmm. news on injuries, form, and the updated and increased squad size, and we'll and we'll put that up on social media by the time this comes out, so people will be able to see yep. that. As for what Gareth Southgate does with the news, that's a separate point. And I suppose you're much better qualified to tell me to us about that than I am. You, I imagine you think that he'll go with some more tried and trusted players, do you?
2: Possibly, and I'll tell you now. Wouldn't be probably. I, I doubt we're going to have him in our twenty 26- six. Player squad and I'm not sure many would either you're
3: not going to say the two words that I've banned you from saying on this podcast are you
2: um, it's
3: one of them begin with E and the other one begins
2: uh, with D I'm afraid so oh for goodness sake. I honestly think he might take Eric Dyer.
3: I wow. do, I do I, I'm
2: not saying he, uh, he should and that would be my choice but I think he might do
3: I don't see what the, what the argument for it is though because he's not a good enough centre back based on form mm-hmm. and he's not as good as any of the midfielders who are similar to him already in the squad I hope I'm wrong Right. that's all. I, I mean, that, that's my suspicion. Yeah, but to me, Marcus, it feels like if you if you are an England manager mm-hmm. and you react to the news that you're getting three extra players mm-hmm. to take to a tournament and the first thing you think of is the Eric <laughs> Dyer, it doesn't bode well for what's happening in the summer.
2: Well, okay. And can, I've got
3: no beef with Eric Dyer at no, all personally or anything like that, you know.
2: Yeah. Is his brother you don't know? <laughs> um, <laughs> don't
3: say that. I go mad.
2: <laughs> um, well, I, what I would say then is what about, um, what about Jesse Lingard? Would there be room for Jesse Lingard, you know, bringing in the good vibes uh, as we know he can? Hmm. Because if it's a 26-man squad, the way Lingard has played this calendar year, he would feel very, very disappointed if he didn't make it. I understand the attacking talent that England have had, that, that got in those places where Lingard would play out wide yeah. in, a, in a front three. He's versatile. Yeah, he is versatile.
3: And, he's, and, and if he maintains the form he's shown... I know he drew a bit of a blank against Chelsea, but mm-hmm. Chelsea are a good team. He scored two goals for West Ham yeah. against Newcastle yeah, yeah, in that yeah. defeat. The West Ham are going to miss out on top four now. It's, it seems clear to me the momentum is going to be mm-hmm. against them, um, which is really disappointing for their point from their point of view. But if Lingard maintains the form he's had since he's moved to West Ham, I think there's definitely a serious argument to say that take um, another mid... I know, I know Lingard's more of an attacking player, but for example, take... Uh, say another midfield player that's on the fringes like James Ward Mm prowse right? Realistically, based on what you've seen this season, who's more likely to get you something Mm. in a tournament where the margins are really fine? Mm. I would argue if we are talking about Jesse Lingard in the same terms then in the summer as we are now, it's only a month or so away or whatever. Um, I think you've got to argue Jesse Lingard's much better place to do something for England, and therefore you use that extra three-man space yeah. accordingly and take a bit of a gamble, maybe.
2: Yeah, No, I I wouldn't be against it myself. Hmm. Um, but I think the, the 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 forward position is interesting. Do you take another number nine? And uh, and if you do, Ings and probably Ollie Watkins would be one of the two. But we um, we shall but, see, and we'll, we'll, but, we will tweet out um, if we haven't already done it. Our twenty-six uh, man squad.
3: The problem with Ings is it's this injury issue, yeah. isn't it? I, I do like I do like. Um, I do like Ings, but, I mean, Harsen yeah. Hutter was saying fairly recently that he thinks he might be out for the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, that would be a great shame. And the shot comes in, it's there from Molly Watkins,
3: who marks his international debut with a goal.
2: Phil Foden mm-hmm. has been bloody excellent in uh, in recent weeks, and, well, for longer than that, of course, but particularly uh, against the likes of PSG and in the cup final and so on. You know, he's got magic in those boots of his. Um Surely a starter for England at yes, the Euros. 100%. I mean, to the point of, we always say Kane is the first name on the team sheet. I don't think that would change. He could be the second, maybe third name on that England team
3: sheet. I think when you talk about the best players in the world of his age, mm. and people have traditionally talked about Haaland and Sancho, yeah. and even Mbappe, who I understand is a little bit older, um, I I I don't see any reason at all why Phil Foden isn't in that conversation. I mm. think you have to
2: the way he played against Dortmund against a couple of those players.
3: He's been unbelievable, and I think I think the most exciting thing about him is he hasn't actually reached his ceiling yet. Mm. And look, he won't if if he if he if he starts every game for England and England have a disappointing tournament, he's not by any means going to be the first world class player, English player to not be able to do it international level for mm. lots of different reasons. So you know, let's spare him that kind of pressure, but if he can replicate anything like his club form for England, look, it's not its not an exaggeration to say that he could be the player of the tournament. He could make the difference. He could do... it. Well, he could. I mean, he's no, definitely I got know, it in his locker. I know what you right? mean. There's no, there's no way you can have a discussion at this point in time about the best players in the world under 21 mm. and not include Phil Foden. When,
2: and, and I know... You, no, I, I, I agree. When you say he could be the player of the tournament, that would also be dependent on some of the players playing further behind him, pulling their weight and doing their Sure.
3: I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's going to do like a <laughs> Diego Maradona or whatever. But, but, but you know what? what? One of the things that's actually interesting about England now, and this is a bit of an obscure point, but I hope I can get it across pretty well, is that in the past... You've got a lot of big characters, a lot of big players. And although they play in different positions and are responsible for different roles for England, they all kind of want to be the main man in their own way. So if you go back to when we first started this series of shows and we talked about 2010, mm-hmm. look at the players you've got. I know Rio Ferdinand had an injury, but if you include him, because mm-hmm. he was at the squad for a bit, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And he went home. Terry, Ferdinand, Lampard, Gerrard, Rooney, mm-hmm. these massive characters, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, they play different positions. They're doing different things. But are there, are any of those players realistically going to have humbled themselves to say, "Do you know what my job is here? It's to set things up and to let someone else do their bit." Yeah. Right. And if and, and England now has got a much greater team spirit, Willard, to believe. Everyone says it. The ex players we've mm-hmm. we've spoke to, the the, the, the journalists. The no, that's media, definitely who, true. Yeah. Fine. So if, if if the other relevant players can humble themselves and set Phil Foden up to be able to affect the game in ways that he's shown consistently for Man City this season, I don't know. I'm putting it this way, right? There's a lot of other factors, but I don't know if, if many other players in other teams that we'll play against will be able to deal with him. Mm-hmm. And that's the most exciting way mm-hmm. I can describe it. If Foden's on his game and he's playing at 10 out of 10 and the other players are setting him up to be able to affect the game, I don't know what other players can live with him on the opposition team. I genuinely don't think mm. anyone can. You, you. because he pick, because he can do everything. He can pick the ball up on a half turn. He can go past the player. He, his, his technique is incredible. I remember someone saying the other week, I can't remember who it was now, saying they're watching him in the warm-up for Man City, and his finishing was the best in the team. Mm. He can do all of it. So if he can get into that position where he can be enabled to do that, there, other teams are going to be worried about him and I don't know if that happens very often in the England team because I think that a lot of other big nations in tournaments think yeah but it's England it'll be fine mm-hmm. because they'll shit themselves or something will go wrong and that I don't know if they can justify saying that about someone like Phil Foden so we should be very excited he can also play a number of different positions play far forward on the, on the left which is great if Grealish isn't going to be available mm-hmm. because that's Grealish's best position in my opinion play a bit deeper he can play in the middle he can play as a false nine which England won't play but it's still relevant mm-hmm. to say that he can do it um, so yeah, it's a it's a fascinating thing. What do you think about him?
2: Oh you are getting me going here. <laughs> I'll tell you what, um imagine himself getting set up like Guardiolistic. Yeah. If Just do exactly what they do. <laughs> yeah. Um no, I, I think you, you I, I, I agree that I think Foden he doesn't look like the type of chap who would let pressure get to him. Mm. But we certainly have to be careful because um, we've, you know, the media in this country, of which I
3: think we're sort of part, a part yeah, of, yeah. although
2: we try and keep on sort of a safe distance.
3: I'm just saying he's a good player.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, you said he could be player of the tournament though. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do, I think he's absolutely crucial and I think to have a player like that, I know other countries, you know, sort of, Spain fans and whatnot will be going, oh, blind, we've had a load of these. Well, we haven't.
3: Well, and... what we should be doing is thanking Guardiola for it, by the way. Oh, yeah, of it, course. Because the conversation a year ago was like, when's he ever going to play?
2: Yeah. But and... well, you wouldn't learn those skills at the old FA School of Excellence, <laughs> no. would <he? laughs> No. So, uh-huh, rest in peace.
3: Uh, he also, he also, um, he's just able to affect the game in all areas of the mm. pitch. And there's not, yeah, you know, not that many players can do that. Mm. You know, he, I, you just, don't, he's, you don't ever really, in your head, you don't think of him giving the ball away. Yeah. You don't think of him being brushed off the ball that Yeah easily he's small but he's got a really strong core strength and Mm -hmm. he's got a good low centre of gravity he can do everything he can do absolutely everything
2: and that's where I think the humility comes in for one or two of the other players because if Foden does play off the left which I suspect he would do because I think Southgate still fancies Sterling on the right side there. And if not Sterling, then maybe Sancho. And I get that. I don't think too many people would have a problem with that. But if he does play on the left, he likes to drift around. He likes to go here, there and mm. everywhere. And you want him to be able to do that. Who's going to play the left side of a central midfield or depending on how they line up, whether it's two in front of the back. For... Well, Rice has
3: played there before. Exactly.
2: And and Rice, someone like Rice or Henson or maybe even Bellingham they're primed for that role of okay, you do your stuff, but don't worry if anything gets past you, I'll be there to kind of mop up and whatnot. Yeah. And the and the left back, whoever it is, Chilwell or Shaw, you would think, are, uh, good seasons, good engines, and you want them. You want to get the best out of Foden,
3: definitely. And I think also, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think also the the idea that excites me is if England player three at the front up front. Mm. And they've got a different number of options of players they can pick. You're probably realistically already always always going to pick Kane if he's fit. But the the other side, you've got players who can present different challenges to other teams' defenders. Exactly. So if Foden or Griezmann play on the left, that's a completely different challenge to playing against Sancho on the right. Yeah, yeah. yeah or Sterling. If you switch them, there's yeah, no reason you can't it. switch them. Yep. You know, there's lots lots of options you can make. So going forward, if England can set themselves up and give themselves a platform to mm. attack, then it's a very exciting thing. And Foden is a massive part. Foden wants another one. Gets another one. Four 0 Two for Foden. And it's about uh, realistic now on the score line.
1: But
0: that was just... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!"
1: On the latest episode of Between the
2: Lines with Melissa Reddy, Melissa speaks to footballer Lee Nicol, who in 2019 was hacked and had intimate footage leaked online. Lee opens up about the impact it had on her and how she came back from it.
0: The first mental impact—it was sheer shock. It was panic attacks. It was shame. It was guilt. I think I felt every single sense of emotion. It felt a little bit like grief, as if I had lost someone, but I hadn't lost someone.
3: The only person I think I'd lost was myself.
2: Meanwhile, on the latest on the continent, on Football Ramble presents Dotton, Andy, and Miguel Delaney unpack everything surrounding the Super League and how
3: it has changed football forever.
2: When you watch a Champions League game, when you watch, say, Manchester United in Champions League, Real Madrid in Champions League, it's not- just a match, it's that every single minute of the match is imbued with seven decades of history. The Super League which has none of that. who was getting quite sad for that, that we were going to lose
3: this and have to face this monstrosity.
0: All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov.
2: Now everybody, as you may know by now, each week we're flicking through the pages of England's recent past to understand the triumphs and failures that have shaped Southgate's side. Today, we go back to England's qualification campaign for World Cup 2018. Now, last week we left off with uh, with Iceland and Roy Hodgson standing down after that disastrous loss uh, to the Icelandic team. In, was, he, uh, was he
3: hasty? Was he too hasty, Marcus? Uh, well,
2: I think he was... <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't do it pitch side, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, but he was off. Poor old Roy. Um bless him. And the FA were on the lookout for another manager. Martin Glenn was the man in charge of the search, despite admitting that he wasn't a football expert. Good start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's get someone who doesn't really know yeah, yeah.
3: what they're talking That's about. That's him saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Admits it. I mean there's the sort of the uh, that. I'm more of a rugby man. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Amazing.
2: Arsene Wenger was a top target. So they say. It's back back who in knows? those days. Who knows? Uh, Steve Bruce was interviewed. My God, <laughs> good Lord!
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: how different it could have been. Um, the third, the, the then thirty-eight-year-old Eddie Howe was linked to the job. Um, Arj- Alan Pardew said around the time, if it ever turned up at my doorstep, that's how it works. Yeah. I would say to the FA, I'll have one tournament. Let me have one tournament, win, lose or bust, and my money ends when that ends. I'd be happy with that.
3: Oh, thanks, he really Alan. understands the process. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Alan. Unlike <laughs> Alan Pardew, to make it all about him, <laughs> isn't it?
2: Yeah. We'll keep paying you after you've left the role, Alan. Alan,
3: Alan have you even considered what <laughs> anyone else would think of that? Nah, not
2: really. <laughs> Just give me one tournament. Yeah, no, we're not giving you any. <laughs> yeah, um, me. So there were other names linked to the job as well, but none none really stuck. And then on the twenty second of July two thousand and sixteen, Big Sam Allardyce in his England tracksuit was appointed England manager. He already owned that tracksuit, didn't he? Yeah, you
3: <laughs> Yeah, I've got my own. Um, what, Marcus? Before we get into Big Sam, yeah, do you your memory of the time? Yeah when I was going back over this and I can't quite remember how I felt at the time because I think I did that thing that most people listening to this show would have done mm. after England lost to um, to Iceland. Yeah which was in the same... I mean, it was only a matter of weeks before Big Sam took over. Between it, was those a, it
2: was the same summer. Yeah. yeah,
3: and so it happened very quickly. I think I was still suffering the fallout of being pissed off about it. Mm. So I don't remember too much about it at the time. But when I look back over it, did the, the research, it felt to me like I just didn't really know what they wanted or what they were doing. Yeah. And there was no real plan, as usual, mm-hmm. at that point. Was that your, Is that roughly your kind of memory of it as well? Yeah,
2: I think it was. I mean, it's a difficult one in, in international football, of course um but you know the idea is that's why the the under 21 manager position can be an an interesting one if if you want to kind of nudge everybody up one if you see what i mean but that is obviously a huge gamble and we haven't really seen the likes of that before in this country um and it it is tricky like who do you get in for an international um managerial appointment because inevitably they are sort of parachuted in i suppose Mm. Um, and and because well, unless you
3: do it a German way, like you go with Yogi Love, yeah, well, you and you've got the assistant who uh-huh. goes through afterwards and all the rest of
2: it. Well, that, exactly, yeah. But I mean, seldom does that really happen for most sides, you know. Hmm. I mean, the Germans, you know, they, they've they've done things very very well indeed. But Allardyce wanted the job, you know. He was unashamedly um, open about that, and that, and that, I think that's fair actually. I, I wouldn't hold any of that against him, of course. No, and and I and to be fair, I was pleased for him. You know, when he had that massive grin on his face when he was wearing the tracksuit, I did think to myself. The, actually, I think this is the best of a bad bunch, I suppose, or, or a realistic bunch.
3: I think there's definitely an element where you'd be churlish and a little bit petty yeah. if you weren't to look at a person who'd worked really hard mm. all their career to get to this point, which is mm. naturally the apex of a managerial career if you're English, mm-hmm. for, you know, for 99% of people. Uh, and I think you'd be, you know, a little bit petty if you were to begrudge him it, yeah. um, because regardless of the paucity of other options, if you want to go down that road, mm. uh, that road, it was still... Just he's given yeah. the job on merit. You know, well, well I th- at the time. I,
2: again, you think about it at the time. England had just lost to Iceland. Yeah, they'd they'd had a really bad campaign, and the previous World Cup, they'd gone out in the first round. So it wasn't as if oh, well, hang on, can he manage these players? Can he? You know, Hodgson was a similar type of manager. Never really managed a big club in England. Um, other well, Liverpool, as in, he'd never established himself as a top four or top six. No. Uh, kind of manager, in fact, and, and and I don't think any English manager has really I don't think You'll disagree. get in
3: trouble from Liverpool fans. I think they want to forget. I, that, I'm so. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: just wanted to make the point that Liverpool are a big club <laughs> for crying <laughs> yeah. out loud. But again, I think they've made that point without me having to. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, with um, Allardyce, you know, as you say, he has worked hard. And I thought to myself, Allardyce, maybe at tournaments, you'd expect England to qualify for tournaments. Sometimes against better opposition, we'd seen his sides be a little bit um, frustrating for, for better teams to play against. So I thought, well, actually, if he brought that to England, that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I thought well, that that might be it. But of course, 67 days later, you know, we know what happened in Wings Restaurant. Uh, he was recorded saying certain things and bloody, bloody blah, blah,
3: blah Yeah, blah
2: And he was gone. On, oh, 67 days later, he, was, he left the job.
3: And by, and by that same token, we talk about the road he took to the apex of his career. And he was totally in control of that. And he deserves the credit for getting there. But he also deserves to blame for coming out of that. Well, this is it. So, so uh, soon after, that's silly. on him as well.
2: It is on him, and and you know that he had one game in charge. England a one 0 win away to Slovakia. Obviously, they drawn drawn with Slovakia in the Euros, and it was a very very late injury time winner. But England were poor in that game from Adam Lallana. We, we, they were poor, and it, I would have been just for kind of um, intrigue's sake. I would have, I would have been interested to see what Allardyce would have done with the side and how he would have motivated them. But I fear that his kind of maybe more old-school methods, I don't know. I mean, he certainly does instil a bit of confidence in players. We know that with sides who um, he's helped get out of relegation scraps and so on. But I just wonder for some of the top talent yeah. in England when they're playing for Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Spurs, all the teams who were in the ESL. Uh, you know, all <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, I just wonder if it would have worked. On reflection,
3: it was a silly thing to do, but um, just to let everybody know, I sort of... Helped out what was a, somebody I'd known for 30 years and unfortunately it was an error in judgment on my behalf and uh, I paid the consequences. I think you can make quite an interesting comparison with Sam Adice and the manager that followed him, which I know we're going to come on to, hmm. uh, by looking at it through the lens of, of Wayne Rooney. Now, Big Sam lost his job as the manager because he made some poor decisions. About how he conducted himself. Now, we don't need to go into the detail of that because he's not at least because he's been quite litigious about it in the past, but but also because he came into the job markets, if you remember, £3 million a year plus bonus, talked yep. about how it was yeah, a dream yeah, yeah. come true, all the rest of it. And then he set fire to it himself, right? Yeah. So he's got to live with that. That's yeah, yeah, his yeah. punishment, whatever. But if you look through the lens of Wayne Rooney, you can tell, you can at least get a good insight into what Sam Ados would have been like mm-hmm. when compared to Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate took a very positive decision about Wayne Rooney pretty mm. early on in his managerial career yeah. in a difficult, what is, what is undoubtedly a difficult situation. Yeah. And England have got such a cult of personality anyway with yeah. players like Rooney, Beckham. Which we'll is you know, complex that talismanic
2: complex. Southgate
3: had. makes a very positive decision. I know mean, you're yeah. going to come on to it. Mm-hmm. Big Sam didn't do that. No. Sam Allardyce was... The, the, the manager, the, the game that England played when Sam Allardyce was manager, that sole game, mm. he Wayne Rooney became the most capped outfield player in England's history. Mm. Right? After the game, Big Sam asked what role Wayne Rooney was playing in that game, which they put in a pretty poor performance Mm -hmm. and they only kind of got out of jail and I think it's back down to 10 men as well. Mm. Um, He said, this is the most decorated outfield player in England, talking about Rooney. It's not for me to say where he's going to play. Yeah. There you are. That's that's not really the most inspiring thing to hear, exactly. from an England manager about a player who's coming to the end of his career.
2: And and we'd been we'd been sort of burned with that with some of the bigger players in the past. You know, well, I've got to pick this player. I've got to pick that player. Yeah. So we, we move on to Southgate and uh, and Allardyce loses the job. Southgate was quickly called up to take charge of England's next four games, which were a few World Cup qualifiers and a friendly at home to Spain. <clears throat> Southgate had previously stated that that while he'd like the senior job one day, he felt he wasn't ready for it now. I mean, really, Southgate probably thought to himself, I'm enjoying the England under twenty one role. I'm kind of relishing that. I'm building something there. And to be honest, we know the poison chalice that is the England managerial position, and he probably thought, I just Yeah I could do without it. Yeah, yeah. And if I do get it, maybe just let me enjoy the next yeah. couple of years, you know. Yeah. But but roughly Two weeks after the 2-2 draw with Spain, which England threw away a 2-0 lead, but it was a bit more encouraging, you could argue, um, Southgate was appointed England manager. And essentially the FA, having scrambled around for so many years trying to find somebody and... And, you know, obviously landed on Allardyce, albeit for a short while. Basically gave the job to a man who didn't really want the job. Yeah. Seemed to be a new approach, but Mm. it was an interesting one nonetheless. Well,
3: spoiler alert, he's still in it. Exactly. Yeah. At the time of recording. (laughs) Uh,
2: Jordan Henderson said of it, the manager has been brilliant. The players have got on really well with him. He gives responsibility to the players and he listens. Mm. Now, I understand players are going to, they're not going to go, well, that's a bit of an underwhelming appointment. But that that quote is interesting.
3: If you're a football fan, you should be absolutely cynical about Mm. players giving quotes like that about managers they're playing under. Mm-hmm. There's always an agenda for it. But in this case, I think you can probably say, well, look what's come along after that. Yep. Look look, look at all the other evidence mm. associated together and see that actually that does appear to sound pretty spot on, actually.
2: And do you know what? I was A lot of people thought Southgate was a bit mealy-mouthed and a bit weak. He seemed,
3: I don't know if it was Mark, no, yeah, no, Mealy Mouth, Mark. Yeah, no, not Mealy Mouth. He felt sounds. a little bit like he didn't necessarily have to steal that we assume was needed.
2: Okay, yeah. I, I, I actually liked Southgate straight away. I you know it's easy to say with hindsight, going back and listen to the old recordings. Mm. But he, he was a very. was boring weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, we're very boring. <laughs> yeah, goodness <laughs> knows. Still a pandemic, I suppose. But, um, but he was very realistic when talking to the media, very open and honest. Mm. and And quite wise, the way he spoke about England. And I just thought he gets it. Mm. Whereas previous managers, right? I'm here now. Mm. I'll sort this out, and I'm mm. going to do this. And which is what we saw with Capello, a little bit with Allardyce, and I thought with with um, with Southgate, I thought he gets this, and he's really going to have a think about this. And really, it's a free hit for him. No one was really touting him for the job that that much. Certainly not the public. And 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 as we say, he seemed to be the only person on hand who would take a massive. Wage, well, not a wage cut, but he wouldn't be on the vast sums that Capello was on and and so on and so forth. So, you know, they got the job done going to Russia. They qualified in a fairly straightforward group and nearly lost to Scotland, but just got about scraped a a, 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 a draw there. Mm. Um, They didn't score too many goals, actually. It was quite an unimpressive campaign. You know, we spoke about Euro 2016 where England were top scorers and all that kind of stuff. This was, you know, home wins against Malta were 2 0 and so on. It wasn't great. But Southgate started to bring in some younger, fresher faces. Uh, I mean, Trippier got his first call up when he was what, about roughly twenty-six years yeah. old, which is an interesting one. Daniel Sturridge was one of England's starting players at the start of the campaign. He started his star started to wane a bit. I was talking of Wayne's Rooney had gone by yeah. by this point, and we get to the series of friendlies that, that 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 led up to the World Cup 2018, and that's when Southgate started to come into his own as a manager. That's when you really started to see what he was made of. As I say, the qualifying campaign, it was a case of, let's just get this done. Mm. And when you get to the friendlies, you have two games in November 2017 at home to Germany and Brazil. He played a 3-5-2 and really used them to work on England's defence. I was at the Brazil game. There was very little attacking intent I was there as well. Yeah, Yeah, and it was against better sides and it was right. And and for an England manager to do that, it was almost as if he thought, I don't really care what you're going to say about me because what can you say about me? And I'm going to use these games and and then he would again in, in in months later to do what i bloody well think
3: mm. yeah it felt it felt like a process yes and i think that's 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 what what really sets it apart from what came before because he he started to me at least look like he used he was using friendlies the same way other joined up nations think about friendlies i.e not just a vehicle to raise your hopes ahead of a tournament yeah but to actually say do you know what what I want to do is put us in a position here. Mm. What what would happen if? Okay, so now we're. I don't know that this didn't happen, but for example, but say we're one nil down against a big nation, yeah. right? And um, and it's not a friendly. Actually, it's gonna. It's a it's a tournament knockout game. What are we gonna do? What patterns of play are we adopting? What tactics are we going to go into? What we, what where's our focus? Yes. How are we going to meet these challenges? And how can we do at least do a dress rehearsal for them? Mm. That's what it felt like to mm. me. And you're right to say that in his own way, because he's obviously a very nice man and a very polite man, mm-hmm. he just didn't care what yeah. people were saying about yeah. him. And and this is before, don't forget, he had the the kind of the, the positive summer that he went on to have, where mm. he's now he's not untouchable, obviously, but he, he's certainly got a little more credit in the bank now. So mm. it was actually quite a brave thing to do at that point.
2: Well, it was, yeah, and I think that. that that, that sort of drawn out approach actually trying to think about this stuff rather than well we'll, we'll, this will be the team you know we've got some big stars and if we're struggling we'll bring on the pacey bloke off the bench and they'll run at them and and all this kind of stuff and and started playing a 3-5-2 in March 2018 England won 1-0 against the Netherlands Jesse Lingard scored his first international goal we saw Jordan Pickford come into the side started to become a character of that England side and would be at the summer whatever one thinks of Pickford. Now he certainly played his part in this early development of Southgate's. Oh yeah, World up, up, Cup up, side.
3: Marcus. Up until very, very recently, it was very difficult to yeah. complain about Pickford yeah. in an England shirt.
2: Well, c- completely. And you saw Pickford's distribution, playing the ball out from the back against the Netherlands. There was a few nervy moments, but Southgate said, "No, this is what I want. Hmm. We have to try because if we just go and pray over the cracks like we always do, hmm. this is how it's going to work out." And this from the BBC match report. Of that game, Southgate's team selection raised eyebrows in a defensive context, particularly his use of Walker in a three-man defence rather than his custom right-back position. Mm. It worked for England at the World Cup. I understand yeah, you could say the goal of Croatia in semi-final but and so on.
3: Also, Marcus, but, at this point, you need to give credit to Steve Holland. Yes, who's who? Everyone says is the you know one of the best coaches around. A lot mm. of players say that he's the best the tactical coach, and and just straight, well, he's definitely coach. played his part. Yeah, yeah they they played there. I think that they seem to be a great combination. Southgate doing the kind of man management, mm-hmm. the kind of. Um, you know, the the face to face stuff and then Holland being the real brains and on the coaching side mm. seems to work as a nice combination and I, and the reason I say that by the way is because I wouldn't be surprised at all if the idea to have Carl Walker there because mm. people talked about how Southgate played like that on yeah. the Venables in the Euro '96 which of course he did and and I imagine though that was
2: more of a back four though usually it was a back four in Euro '96 there was times where it, there was a bit of a tinker but that's
3: but I, th- I think I'm right in saying that Venables did for England use. Oh, he did, yeah. He, he, yeah. Did he not use Stuart Pearce there?
2: Well, I mean, Venables influenced Steve McLaren for that ill-fated game away in Croatia when they played 3-5-2. And, and it was a very unpopular decision to, to yeah. make.
3: The point, the point I was just going to make Sorry, is that yeah. Southgate, people were making the link at the time between playing Walker in a back three mm. as a full-back. And so Southgate experienced that. Yeah, he sure. played, But I wouldn't be surprised if Holland was the guy who did the detail on that.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And in, England played six friendlies leading up to that World Cup. They played a back three in all of them. And this is where we see John Stone starting as well. This is where the players that are playing now are really beginning to take shape in Southgate side and he's building it. And really, he was the first England manager to properly go for a back three since Glenn Hoddle in 1998. And in this country, despite Antonio Conte and one or two others playing with back threes, to some aplomb and so on, it was seen as, oh, what on earth are you doing? But again, that kind of free hit he had, he thought, no, I'm going to bloody well do this my way and we need a back three because we're a bit dodgy at the back. It will give us defensive stability. It will give us something to build on. And it all was very, very interesting going into the World Cup, but it also helped lower expectations because yeah. people didn't think much of the system. They didn't think much of Southgate. And they thought, well, you know, we get out the group and then we'll see how we get on. And um, we'll talk about uh, World Cup 2018 next week.
3: Look forward to it.
2: Very much so. Thank you very much for listening to Lions Watch, everybody. We'll be back next week with more news and discussion and a return to that World Cup in 2018, the summer of love.
3: And waistcoats.
2: <laughs> see you then.
1: This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.